Because I'd yeah, love to no, see the phone records, the real yeah, no, phone records. Yeah. I mean, if you want to think that, that that's one thing, but there's nothing to suggest that the phone records have been doctored. I totally believe they've been doctored. So, okay. So most of this all comes from, like I said, Frank Capel, because he hates Bobby and he releases these pamphlets that Bobby killed Marilyn during re-election years. The Red Book comes from Robert Slatzer, and he claims that he was married to Marilyn briefly in 1950. For two days, yes. Yeah. We have photo evidence showing her at the Red Book Awards, and we have a check showing that she was shopping at Jack's at Beverly Hills the day he claims that they got married. So the Red Book comes from Robert Slatzer. Because I've read all this stuff, and so many books, though, repeat the Red Book thing. Yeah, so a lot of books go off of Robert Slatcher. I have absolutely no idea why, but they do. Probably because Anthony Summers said that Robert Slatcher was legitimate, and he's not. Anthony Summers um, is a PI, right? He's a biographer. Oh, he he's still alive. He still he still writes biographies. Which one did he write? He wrote Goddess. I read that one. Yeah. Um, newer editions of Goddess have had Deborah Gould's testimony as well as John Minor's testimony removed because Anthony Summers realized they were lying. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, he hasn't gotten rid of Jeannie Carmen or Robert Slatcher. Yeah, you um, told me the whole Jeannie Carmen thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know... Like I said, we we know that Marilyn called every Tuesday. We also know that Bobby was working with Fox to release a movie he was working on. It was about Um, his life, right? Yes. And those are most likely what those phone calls are about. Um, Those phone calls were in Marilyn's personal file, so she would have received them before her death. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, you know, came up. When Marilyn's, you know, files have been auctioned off. Don't you believe uh, she met him at Lawford's? Don't you believe at a dinner party? Don't you believe? Yeah, she at met least, him in February yeah. of 62. And I mean, she wrote to Bobby Miller about it. So if she's having an affair with him, it seems kind of odd to me that she would write to her former, you know, 10-year-old stepson about the guy she's sleeping with. But she didn't say she's sleeping with him to the 10-year-old. No, but, I mean, it, it's still kind of odd. But, you know, we, we can chart every single place where the candies were, and a lot of times you will see we're like, you know, we have photo, photographic evidence of Bobby or JFK being on the other side of the country. Why doesn't somebody do that and do a picture book to say, okay, we're going to put this at rest. The Kennedys are here. I mean, that would be a great book. There are some excellent resources online about it, um, and all of it is supported by newspaper evidence. People don't want to believe it. People want to believe conspiracy theories. 
I don't um, want to believe conspiracy theories, but you know, I know the world. I, I was a, a naive kumbaya little girl, and now you know nothing. I've found out and I've seen so many things and nothing surprises me anymore. So it's not really, I think there are some Bigfoot. That's an absurd conspiracy. Like he's really out there. There are, but I, I don't, I don't disbelieve a lot of stuff. I, my mind is open. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I spent 10 years on this, so I'm pretty closed off at this point because no one can give evidence proving it otherwise. Didn't you? You did like a podcast about I, Maryland I did. Stuff. I did a radio show for two years about Maryland stuff. Was that I went weekly through, or monthly? It, it was weekly. And wow, I went week, Zowie. You went through everything. Holy yeah. Toledo. Can people find it and listen to it? They can. It's under Voice America. There were like 15 episodes a year or something like that. I'd love and to hear it. So you we, definitely we send it to me, okay, so I can link yeah. everybody to you. Um, it, it's called Goodnight, Marilyn. Um, my colleague, Gary Vitaco Robles, can be seen on Fox Nation. Um, mm-hmm. They just did a special that came out. Um, as well as the woman I worked with, Nina Bosky. Um, and we dissected everything. I got the complete 1982 investigation from that. It's like 700 pages. Wowzy. Anyone can get it from a Freedom of Information Act. Most of these people admit to lying. Wow. Um, so, you know, uh, back, back though to my thing with like Frank Capel. So Frank Capel releases a pamphlet in 1964 and he says, hey, Bobby Kennedy had Marilyn killed and they were sleeping together. This pamphlet is completely mocked. The only person who picks it up is Walter Winchell because, surprise, he is friends with Frank Capel because Walter Winchell is very far right. Not quite as far right as Frank Capel, but he used Frank Capel quite a bit for leads on his stories. Frank Capel then proceeds to release the pamphlet again in 1966. And, you know, again, this is saying, oh, Marilyn was murdered, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and again, the pamphlet is met with ridicule. But, of course, he's only releasing these pamphlets during the election years. That, that's his whole thing. Oh, and you mean like for Bobby? Yeah, they're basically just slamming Bobby the entire time. It has nothing to do with Marilyn. It's trying to say that Marilyn was killed on the orders of Bobby. Um, they're they're very conspiracy driven. You know, he he does have some interesting paperwork in there that is legitimate, like her toxicology results and you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of his claims, there's nothing to back it up. Um, and then, you know, 66, you know, his pamphlet comes out, he probably would have released it again in 68, but of course Bobby is dead at that point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're, they're pretty much ignored. And then 1972, Norman Mailer releases his book, and he relies very heavily on Capel because he writes his book, Marilyn, in roughly six weeks. Wasn't it like sort of a like he was lusting for her as well? <laughs> it was like, yeah, he, yeah. He had wanted to meet Marilyn several times, and she always turned him down. He was Good creepy. You, he showed up at her house. He it, is it creepy. He, well, he's dead now, but he was creepy. Yes. Yeah, but of course, Norman Mailer's book takes over the nation, and Norman Mailer claims, "Oh, she wasn't just sleeping with Bobby; she was also sleeping with JFK." And you know that and. By the way, the Kennedys also have her murdered. Norman Miller later appears with Mike Wallace, and he admits that his book is a bunch of crap. Really? And that he would say with certainty that Marilyn, um, you know, killed herself accidentally. He called it an accidental suicide. Um, There are clips of that show online. I haven't seen them for a while, but uh, I should say there used to be clips online, but I'm sure, you know, people can find them. And he just basically says, my book was a load of crap. And Mike Wallace, understandably, gets quite annoyed with him and goes, how could you slam people like this? This is lying. And Norman Miller's just like, oh, well, I needed the money. Really? I got to find that. Yeah. So he. he, So this is obviously it was on 60 Minutes. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, goes through, he says, my book's a load of crap. I think she committed suicide. Wow, we. Kazawi. 
so his book's released, and then 1974, it's two years after Mellor's book, Robert Flatcher's book comes out. And Robert Flatcher claims, hey, I was secretly married to Marilyn, and by the way, she was murdered because of the Kennedys, and she was going to have a press conference. Now, if we go back to our trusty 1962 newspapers, we can see that there was no press conference announced like Robert Slatcher claimed. We also know that he wasn't married to her. In fact, he had written an extremely inflammatory piece for Confidential Magazine in 1957 saying that Marilyn had cheated on Joe DiMaggio with him. With that article's release in 1957, there's no way Marilyn would have had him in her life. She would cut people out for very minor infractions. Something like that would have just completely ceased all communication with that person. Um, Marilyn apparently was asked about the article in private, and she said that it was devastating that both she and Arthur were mad about it. And there Um, are little... Can I ask you a question? Did she... She did know Slatzer, though. They were friends at some point. Or no? no. Really? Because I read that in, like, every book. It's amazing. She went went and he was on set. He was actually a book reviewer for a small newspaper in Ohio. Mm -hmm. But he took his press pass and he got onto the Niagara set and he took pictures with her for two days. And he has about five snapshots. That is his photographic evidence of his very long friendship and affair with Marilyn. Our five photos taken over the course of two days. And Marilyn is in her Niagara costumes in both of them. Or, well, all of them, I should say, but over both days, she's in Niagara costumes. And she's very obviously on set. And the only reason he got on there is because he had a press pass. He was press, yeah. Yeah, and it's because he was a book reviewer. Um, he, he did try to claim that there was a friendship there in like 1953. Again, Marilyn wouldn't have put up with any of this, but in 1953, he basically says, oh, you know, she's like my kid sister and no one wants to see their, you know, kid sister be abused or something like that. And, um, again, Marilyn wouldn't have stood up for anyone doing something like that with her. She was very private about her private life. Um, Slatcher is not in any of her address books, nor do any of her friends know who he is. Um, And the only reason that Whitey Snyder agreed to write the foreword for one of Slatcher's books without reading said foreword was because he needed the money, and he thought that Slatter might have been one of Marilyn's friends he didn't know about. Wow. But, of course, we now know he wasn't. Um, Robert Slatter, of course, made a whole career off of lying. That is what he did best. Well, and- what did he do? He did that book with this P.I., because I was reading that, right? It's a whole conspiracy Marilyn was murdered, so or did he write he, like a personal book as well, like me and Marilyn? He, he wrote. He wrote two books. Um, the first is called like the Strange Case of Marilyn Monroe. That was actually written with Frank Capel because mm. all of these people are connected. Um, if you go on my website, Classic Blondes, or on my personal Facebook because I just posted it today, you can see the paperwork and the agreement that slots are signed. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Um, with Frank Capel. Um, and basically with his thing with Frank Capel, it says, hey, I'm going to send everything to you and you're going to fact check it. And then I will just insert my personal memories. So all of the murder stuff comes from Frank Capel all over again. Frank Capel got a third of this, you know, profits from the book. Slatzer got an additional third. And then their combined ghostwriter, Will Fowler, got the remaining third. So what was the second book? What was the second book? Um, the second book is like The Secret Life of Marilyn or something. I, I can't remember his book. They've been so long since I've read them. Um, and that one's basically saying the same thing, but, you know, it's an expanded edition, basically, with a new title. Um, the one that you're talking about, I believe, is the Milo Spengali or whatever book, and that's the one who was his private investigator. Right, that's, Yeah. 
and were they weren't they the ones who had the investigation reopened or wanted to they were they definitely were and i will not say anything against that and it produced a 600 page investigation that said they were all lying where can we find that april You can get it through the Los Angeles Police Department through the Freedom of Information Act. So, well, you can send it to me because I have no idea. Can you send me the link? (laughs) Because I was Um, trying to find all this stuff. I have a copy I got from the radio show, so I'll I'll send you a copy. Great. um, I'd love to read it. Um, Jeannie Carmen pops up in there. Um, She had reared her head again, and she says, Oh, well, I misplaced everything that proved my friendship with Marilyn along with her affair with the Kennedys. And then that story, of course, would later morph to Jeannie Carmen lost everything in a house fire. But by in 1982, she hadn't come up with that story yet. So she just says she misplaced everything. Didn't she write like this really uh, cheesy biography years ago? So her son actually wrote it, and it's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. It's about everybody she had sex with or something. Yeah, and it's creepy when you know her son wrote it. Ew. Um, and she, he's so freaking uncreative that he removes straight movie dialogue lines. My favorite section in it is where he rips off the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and he can't even change the names of Janet and Brad. <laughs> When was this book? Um, when was this book uh, published? Oh God, I want to say he did in like 2010. I think he did. Really? But didn't she do that. one prior to that? She didn't no, necessarily she, big one. No, like she, she said she had sex with Frankie and this one and that yeah, one. No, that, and this one. That, that's only from her son's book. Ah. Everything else is if she did interviews, but she only released the one book, and it's written by her son and yeah. it's creepily detailing how she slept with everybody. Jeannie Carmen made a wonderful second career out of lying through her teeth. Um, Ted Jordan, who also would lie through his teeth, who is he? came out. Um, he, he wrote a book on Marilyn claims they were secret lovers and a bunch of stuff. Oh, and then he claims he had the Red Diary. And then he goes, just kidding. It doesn't detail her affair with the Kennedys. It's actually a book of poetry. So then he was, you know, asked to produce it a second time, this time as the book of poetry. And he goes, oh, just kidding. I've lost it and have no idea where it's gone. Um, It's amazing how when you're dead, how everybody can just write anything they want, you know, make a book. But Ted Jordan comes out around 1985. Um, They are planning on doing a documentary on Flatter's book for ABC. Um. And uh, Geraldo is going to host it. Oh, yes. That was a huge brouhaha. Rune Arledge is a very good friend of the Kennedys and was possibly dating Ethel. And that's the truth. Yeah. So there's a whole thing with that. Ted Jordan comes out about the documentary, and Ted Jordan is not complimentary towards the Kennedys at all. Um, But... Ted Jordan comes out and says, hey, this documentary offered me $10,000 if I wanted to say I knew Marilyn. No way. Yeah. And he goes, hey, I already have my own memories of Marilyn, which, again, aren't true. Um, Ted Jordan was Lily <laughs> St. Cyr. That's his biggest claim to fame is that he was Lily St. Cyr's, like, fourth husband. Who's Lily St. Cyr? She was a very famous stripper oh. during the 50s. Well, sounds um, it, yeah. That's that's his claim to fame. Um, There's a picture of her stripping and Ronald Reagan's in the audience, by the way. (laughs) You'd love to see that. Or was it burlesque or did she take it off, take it off, take it all off? Well, burlesque, they didn't really have like a differentiation at that time between stripping and burlesque. So most burlesque are, you know, artists called themselves strippers and they would take everything off. Yikes. Um, it's just when pasties were required due to city ordinances is when you get like the pasty and the merkin and everything. But <laughs> Do most people know what a merkin is? Some people don't. Um, a merkin is a fake muff. Pubis mound. Yes. Yeah. Muff. It's. Um, but 
know, mo- most burlesque performers at that time would take it all off depending on city ordinances. So Did they have to wear fake muffs? Yeah, a lot of them wore Merkins because Merkins weren't allowed for cities that required everything to be covered. How funny is that? Yeah, I love um, that. And the police would come up and they would say, is that real or are you wearing a Merkin? <laughs> so Marilyn's, you know, says, so Chad Jordan comes out and he says, hey, they've offered me $10,000, but I have my own story to tell. But guess who uh, you know, told me about this wonderful job offer? It's Jeannie Carmen. So... You know, the ABC thing with Geraldo likely was shut down due to, you know, his um, connections with the Kennedys. But the funny However, thing is that Geraldo was not the producer or the investigator on this. He just got PO'd. Hugh Downs left as well. They There was a protest from all the people that worked on 2020 um, that, I mean, Hugh Downs quit. And you you have to respect Hugh Downs. He he wouldn't BS you. So Geraldo's another you know story. But um, I was surprised to to read that that first it was going to be like a whole show, and then Rune said okay, it can be thirteen minutes, and then I think the night of it or the day of it, it was canceled, and it, I it was a huge brouhaha. Most definitely, and I mean. You know, I'm glad it didn't air because it would have just furthered a bunch of crap, but I can also see why people were upset about it. I think Uh, in a lot of ways, because it didn't air, it gave people that, why isn't it airing? So this must be true. So it's two sides of the coin. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I have my own thing as to why I'm happy it didn't air. However, I, I do completely understand that people... I didn't even know that it didn't air. So I, I yeah. just read this when I'm Googling everything. Yeah, no, it, it didn't air on that. Um, so, you know, Ted Jordan comes out and he goes, you know, hey, I was offered... Ted Jordan's thing was, you know, admitting that they were offered money for this to give the testimonies the show wanted. He's such a sleazebag, isn't he? I mean, he is, but, like, Jeannie Cartman's sleazier for taking the money. Oh, she did. She took the dough to do it. Yeah, and they gave her a script, and she had to read off the script. I have never heard that. Yeah, no, there's couple news articles back from the 80s about it. I'll have to look um, them up. This is also yeah, fascinating no, it, to me. Marilyn was so fascinating to everybody. I mean, she really is. Look at her all yeah. these years. Jeez. No, it, it really is a very interesting, you know, chain of events. So, you know, that obviously gets killed. Um, and, you know... Stuff pops up. Lionel Granison comes out and says he was forced to sign the death certificate, but he knew something was up. We now know that Lionel Granison couldn't have known something was up and, like, you know, was investigating like he claimed because Lionel Granison had a desk job. He literally never saw anything with investigation. How pitiful. I would hate to be such a liar. You know what I mean? I just couldn't do it. Yeah, no, he thought... He got connected with Robert Slatzer. Um, like I said, the the Schaefer Ambulance Company driver, you know, is shown to be a liar. He was paid, you know, something like $50,000 for his story by Maxim. Um, and then we have, you know, just like really skeevy people that come up and they say this and then they get paid lots of money. There's really nothing behind it besides they get paid lots of money. Um, I could ask you this, one, April, about hmm. her biopsy. I, I, her, what do you call down her biopsy? Her, uh, her autopsy. Autopsy. I'm sorry, you guys. I do know the difference, but I just said it wrong. Uh-huh. Um, all those gels, they found nothing in her belly. They said that if she took these pills, there's a yellow caplet, and that she really literally had to shove a bunch of them in her mouth at once. Um, And there was nothing in her belly except some brown stuff, but it wasn't drugs. And they went and, and looked and some, you know, it wasn't showing up, that kind of thing. So that comes from Robert Slatzer. 
um, about. I read that from their, Noguchi as well. Well, I, I know I'm, I'm finishing where it came from. Okay. So Slatter's the one who says that there should have been dye in her stomach. Um, Noguchi and Cyril Wecht have been interviewed about this. For people who don't know who Cyril Wecht is, he did Anna Nicole Smith's autopsy. He is extremely famous in the, you know. And that, that he testifies in lots and lots of big cases. He, he does. A lot of people have hired him for private investigations. Um, on the radio show I was on before, he was on it. Um, I unfortunately could not record that episode. However, how come? You know, we discussed everything beforehand before he was interviewed, so my interview questions did get asked. Um, he uh, said, you know, when drug addicts, you know, have a bunch of stuff like that, you know, when they've been taking a bunch of pills and they overdose like that, their body does what's called a dump. And if Noguchi had gone past, you know, more than 12 inches in her intestines, she probably would have found them about halfway down. But he only examined the first foot. What they said, and what I've read in a bunch of the things, is that Noguchi, at the lower intestine, it was gone that somebody... It, you know, that it was just already, okay, we sampled it, it's out of here. Yeah, so that's not really uncommon for the time. Noguchi has talked about that as well. Um, he did what was considered a European autopsy on her, which is a more thorough autopsy than what was normally done. I never heard they, of that. How weird. Yeah. yeah. And then when they got the toxicology results, they threw out her organs, which at the time wasn't considered abnormal because they had their results, so why did they need their organs? Noguchi says that he wishes he could have done further testing on them, but procedure was to throw them out. That's not abnormal, and the L.A. coroner will talk about that. He actually does events at Dearly Departed down in Los Angeles, and he's talked about that. Uh-huh. Nothing with Marilyn's autopsy was considered abnormal. Mm-hmm. Procedures were followed on it. They're just different than how we would do it now. Yeah. Um, so we we have that. Um, the biggest thing, though, to point out with all of this is that you can't pick and choose, and you, not meaning you, Grace, but people in general, you can't pick and choose what parts of the autopsy you want to believe and what you don't want to believe. It's either the autopsy is real, Noguchi did a good job, and that's what happened, or Noguchi completely forged everything. Oh, I don't believe he forged everything at all. And he also wrote on the side of it, you know, first it was suicide, and then he wrote probable suicide. So Right, and that comes from the suicide team investigation's findings um, with the probable suicide. Uh, Probable suicide, as some people have tried to claim, was, you know, people claim it was a really rare thing or that she's the only person ever had that. Probable suicide was done in Los Angeles County during that time. There are multiple instances of people's deaths being listed probable suicide. I think still today, uh, people, you don't know if they committed suicide or not. So Um, it doesn't seem like it would be weird. Right. Now we try to keep it more so in suicide or accidental. But going back to the autopsy report, mm-hmm. based off of her liver and blood levels, the only scientific explanation on it is that she had took an oral ingestion of pills because her liver levels showed that they've been metabolized. Um, Spotto tried to claim there was an enema. We know that she did not have an enema right. because she had poop up in her bowels. Right. What? Um, yeah. Oh, in her had, bowels. Yeah. I thought yeah. you said her mouth. <laughs> no, no, her bowels. She yeah. had fully formed fecal matter, which would have been, you know, taken out if she had had an enema. Really? And even we, if you die? Even if it's that fast, like, click? Because that's, like... What do they call well, it, like a hot shot or something? Would it come out? Well, so, you, you know, normally you, like, eliminate. Well, I shouldn't say normally, but some people, you know, eliminate when they die. But with an enema, it would have made everything watery, so it would have come out. But she didn't have that. What about this, um, April? You know, when uh, when people have overdoses, they usually vomit, 
you know, there's usually frothing or something when they overdose. It's not like people think that you just go to sleep and it's just lovely that, you know, it's kind of gross. You know, you also vomit. So the vomiting thing is a very common rumor, but it's not true. Um, Vomiting doesn't occur in about half of people who die from an overdose. Um, Cyril Wecht went over this in the program. I didn't know that. Famously, um, Lupe Velez did not vomit everywhere. Um, people like to say her head was found on the toilet. She was vomiting. No, she actually did not vomit at all, and she was found, you know, resting peacefully, and she was not messy or anything where like that. Where was she? Not on her toilet. Uh, where, um, where did they find her? Where did she, poor Lupe? She, there's pictures that go around that supposedly show her next to her bed, and then there's stories that she was found on her bed. It changes with the thing. Um, I believe she was probably found on her bed. But, um, Poor Loopy. She had all yeah, life that at that point. She really did. But, again, she didn't vomit, and no one says, oh, well, she was murdered. No, but it's totally different. And look at Carol Landis. People still think like her family even thinks she was murdered, but yeah, I don't believe uh, that at all. No, not in the well, least. Yeah, no, Lu- Lupe's stuff is mostly because she's found looking pristine and she has a suicide note. If there was a suicide note, I firmly believe no one would think Marilyn was murdered. I agree. Uh, I totally <laughs> agree. Marilyn, but, you know, as to her intentions, I always tell because I get, you know, asked what do I think quite a bit. As to her intentions, I do not know her intentions. I don't know if she meant to die that night. I don't know if it was an accident. I don't know if she was trying to sleep because she hasn't slept for two days. I mean, I, I, I'm never going to know her mindset on that. No. But, um, you know, I, I agree with the autopsy's findings. And if the autopsy and toxicology reports say that the only way you could get to those blood liver levels is through an oral ingestion of tablets, I have. What no do you mean, like just it. swallowing a bunch of tablets? Yeah, so she probably swallowed about thirty-five. But we also know that when she took medication, that she would commonly take ten to fifteen a night. Um. And, you know, it's hard to say if she was, you know, just doubling up on her dosage. Because she was so tired, I want to go to sleep. Right. And thinking, I'm really going to sleep well tonight or if she wanted to commit suicide. But we know that after she took the pills that she would have metabolized them for several hours. So she would have basically been comatose for probably two to three hours. And based off of her liver temperature, according to Cyril Weck, she probably died about one thirty in the morning. Um, according to the uh, orig- uh, according to the original investigators and the suicide prevention team, she would have died between twelve thirty and twelve fifty. So their times really aren't off from each other. What was it? Her her rigor mortis. I forgot. Was she in the state of rigor mortis or was she not? She has lividity, so we know that she had been face down for quite a while. Yeah. And lividity is when blood pools on your face. Well, you can see it, yeah. I've seen that picture. She did have some rigor mortis in it, but she wasn't, like, obviously super, super stiff. Right. Um, But she, she did have some rigor mortis, and she obviously had the lividity in her face and body. Yes. So we know that... Oh, sorry, go on. No, I wasn't going to say anything. I'm just going, Oh, and, um, (laughs) you know, people try to say, oh, well, you know, she was turned over in her bed and it was all staged. By the time, even if they found her, you know, like at midnight, you know, and they, you know, put her over and everything that moment, which is completely ridiculous, but if they had done that, she wouldn't have the severe lividity as they claimed, and she probably would have been alive. So going off of her liver temperature for her death, you know, and I'll use the more modern time of 1.30 just because our science has greatly improved since 1962. Um, so using that, you know, rough estimate of 1.30 on there, um, you know, her, she probably died face down. Um, and she was, you know, in that position for quite a while. And if she had been found at midnight, you know, they would have found a pulse. So, 
It's pretty unlikely that she was found at midnight. It's more likely that she was found at like two in the morning. And you don't think that people went in there and kind of swept up things that they didn't want to be seen? So I think, I I actually do think there was a cleanup, but it's probably differing from what most people think on there. Um, I think Greenson and Engelberg went through and cleared out how much medication Engelberg had been prescribing her. And the reason I say that is because they only found a few pill bottles, but they found... But they found, like, a bunch of medication from, like, 1960 and stuff. She wasn't very good at throwing out her medicine. Right. But all of those pill bottles were gone. And it wasn't until about 10 years ago that all of Engelberg's prescriptions went up for sale. And we saw that he was prescribing her, you know, roughly three to 400 pills a month. And that's oh, horrible. Really? Well, and that's just what we have documentation for. Do you never do when someone's depressed or you think suicidal? How can you prescribe so many pills? I mean, really? Yeah, I mean, it it was just, it was giving her anything she wanted to prevent doctor hopping, which again, we would not do that today. But in the time of, you know, no Betty Ford and no rehab, that's what they thought was the best course of action. Of course, it was disastrous and it was stupid. They can get stuff a lot easier. A good example of this is Prince. All of his stuff was his prescriptions. Um, new rules had been instituted well before he died. I want to say he died in 2017, 2016 or 2017, but new, you know, rules had already been implemented before then. Um, and what happened with Prince was they found a bunch of stuff under like his manager's name. So that's how celebrities get pills now. Well, that's what Elvis did as well. It wasn't just under Elvis's name. It was under other people's names. So he exactly. had so many pills. Tons so that, that's what they do. Um, so do I think there was a cleanup? I do. I think it probably lasted for about an hour, um, maybe an hour and a half. Um, and I think what ended up happening, you know, was they went in and they cleaned up empty pill bottles and they looked for anything that could implicate Engelberg on it. Um, contrary to what has been claimed, Greenson actually did not write prescriptions for Marilyn. Um, everything was left up to Engelberg to prescribe. Hmm. And this, you know, and the thing I want to point out with Greenson is, yeah, Greenson looks creepy and Greenson definitely overstepped his boundaries. But Greenson died 30 years before Engelberg did. And if, you know, if it had been the other way around and Engelberg had died first, a lot more would have been placed on Engelberg than it's been placed on Greenson. You know, a lot of this stuff came out after Greenson died because, again, you can't be arrested for slandering or libeling the dead. And so, you know, Greenson definitely overstepped his boundaries. He should not have tried out his own form of therapy on Marilyn. I am not excusing that at all. But at the end of the day, Engelberg's the one who did all the prescribing, and we now have at least part of the documentation showing that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wasn't too crazy about Greenson, but I didn't read that much about Engelbert. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, Engelbert died like 2005. Um, he would always claim that Marilyn got her pills from Tijuana. And then, like I said, you know, around 2010, his prescription, you know, forms from Marilyn's estate start coming out and we find, oh, she didn't get everything in Tijuana. Like, of course she not. She She's a movie star. At that time, you could get anything anywhere. So that's so absurd to think that Marilyn would have to get her prescriptions from Tijuana. Yeah, no. So that, that's basically what he claimed. Um, and there are old interviews, the old documentaries, you can see him claim this. He lied through his teeth. Engelberg was a horrible person. Um, if it was today, both Engelberg and Greenson would be arrested and, you know, tried for malpractice. And also uh, licensed to practice. Yeah. And they would probably face, uh, probably not Greenson, but Engelberg would most likely face jail time just like Michael Jackson's doctor. Whatever happened to Michael Jackson's doctor? Did he? He uh, went to jail for like six or seven years and he lost his medical license. Wow. He did go to jail. I didn't know yeah, that. They are trying to make them go to jail now because, you know, 
good deterrent not to overprescribe. Or to so, give somebody a shot. What did he have, like that horse thing that he died yeah, from? Some horse yeah. shot? Yeah, because he couldn't sleep. So, no. Yeah, so sad. That, that's, you know, like what most likely happened with them. But really, not like I said, when we first started this, 90% of this stuff can all be tied back to Frank Capel, who's a far-right loony town, who has ties to the KKK and sits there and writes, I hate all my political opponent pieces. He ran this little, like, newsletter thing called the Herald of Freedom. Um, he's an absolute nut. And, you know, that that's who Slatcher wrote his book list. So... And like I said, I have all of that on classic. I guess you have to. I just have to listen to your thing, and I want to link that for everybody so that they can, um, people who haven't heard you um, can or heard that podcast can or radio. Yeah, I would love we, people to hear that. Yeah, no, we go through every single like death thing at the panel um, with me and three other people. Um, season one, they interview like Jeannie Carmen's kids. It's not very good. I, I do not recommend season one at all, but season two and three, they brought in the panel. Um, and we just went through every theory for like an hour. And you um, did what? On, like a year, 13 shows a year? Yeah. Something like that. Um, I can't, it's been so long since I've done it, but yeah, no, we, um, and then when we had our breaks, you know, we would study everything. Um, I got the complete Arthur P. Jacobs archive from um, doing that. I, I bought that myself, obviously. And I got the William Fowler archive. Um, and then I did get the police report from the show. So it's it's a gigantic mess. I hate, There's so much to cover. And Marilyn's death is a topic, obviously, that people are very opinionated on. And still today um, and always, I believe. Do you see Marilyn being an old lady? No, absolutely not. I don't think Marilyn could have handled aging. I, I don't that, either. I totally I, don't. I, I think that she got out at the perfect time. Um, you know, people tend to forget that Fox's smear campaign against Marilyn, Marilyn works pretty well, but I mean, her... Her box office receipts haven't been doing, you know, haven't been so hot um, for two years at the point where she died. I mean, her career was, you know, at kind of a low point. But isn't it this, this is something I was looking up. She only did like 11 or 12 movies, right? That she was like the star she of was or like something. Starring it. Yeah. Yeah, no, she, she really didn't do a whole lot. And of course... Three of those movies came out in 1953. And they were like so great. Seven Year Itch. And Known Caller. Um, Seven Year Itch. What was the other one? Oh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, How to Marry a Millionaire in Niagara came out in 53. Seven Year Itch um, came out in 55. Oh, yes. Where Joe was very angry. Um, yeah. Um, I so love, my, my favorite is still um, How to Marry a Millionaire. I thought she was adorable. She was funny. I mean, it's not easy to play that kind of role, like a dumb blonde. And she and David Wayne were incredible. And I loved Marilyn. And, and look what she means to so many people today. And people, all the photos you see and how many people love her. And you guys did a panel, for goodness sakes. And she's our last bombshell because she really was the bombshell of bombshells of blonde. She was. And, you know, she's she's a very interesting person. She, you know, she had a very, you know, tragic death. People have a really hard time imagining someone like that killing themselves because on the surface they have everything to us. I don't believe she killed herself. That's a definite. I don't believe she wanted to die that night. Or accidental suicide. But you believe she killed herself purposely. Well, I'm I'm including accidental and suicide because, like I said before, I don't I can't say for sure because I don't know what was going through her head. Um, I would say with a hundred percent certainty, she was not murdered. Well, I'm one of those people who who doesn't rule anything out. That's let's put it that way. I don't rule anything out.
Eunice Murray went on vacation, although Eunice had told Marilyn about her vacation almost a week before Marilyn died, and Eunice did not, you know, she postponed it a little bit. Um, people try to make it add out to be something nefarious, but I mean, Eunice was not a rich woman, and she wanted to go on vacation, and the press were hounding her because under her watch, Marilyn died. I don't really find that to be nefarious. What did she I, write? She did write a book, didn't she? She did. I, I uh, She released it in like 1970-something. I, I own it. It's a, it's a very short, small little book. And she just kind of sticks to the story. She really doesn't waver from her story at all from what she, you know, told the police. She, you know, says, hey, Marilyn had an omelet that day. I mean, she goes into more detail. There's nothing besides an oral ingestion that explains it then with her liver, liver and blood levels because her liver would have had to have been metabolizing that medication for several hours, and you can't metabolize like a shot. Um, but she would have had so. to, t- they said she had like, what, 45, it would have been 45 pills in her system? Yeah. How could you swallow that? You would barf your guts up. Well, you can take them, though, in separate doses. They said that it happened, like, really quickly, that Marilyn took Right, but if she already has her medication, like, in, you know, laid out, and she's just having to take, you know, 15 or 20, however many she took of in each, like, hand thing, it would be within seconds of each other. Even if she's having to do it in, like, three different doses. I mean, this is somebody who, according to, you know, her friends would take, you know, 15 pills a night to sleep. And slam it down with champagne. She loved her champagne and her pills. That seemed to be her thing. Yeah. We know that she had no alcohol, though, in her yes. system when she died. Yeah. And that was the big brouhaha was also where was the water glass. And I saw the thing next to her bed. I didn't see the Mexican thing with a glass on top of it. I have to look at it. But um, I don't know, April. How do I know? I really don't know. The thing is I know is I loved Marilyn. Her life was very sad, but there will never be anybody like her. There has never been anybody like her since, and there will never, ever be another person like Marilyn. I adored, and I still adore, Marilyn Monroe. All I can say is, I know you have to go, my April, and I am so thrilled to have done this series with you. You are so fabulous. I adore you. And I, you know, I really am sad to end this because I just had such a great time with you, and you are so knowledgeable, and anybody, you know, just... She's great. And if you want to know about Hollywood Blonde or any of this, even <laughs> even brunettes, she knows. <laughs> so I don't know about that, but we'll go with it. Well, no, okay. it's been great, Grace. I have had an absolutely marvelous time with you. I'm sad that our series is Me ending. Me too. I really am. I'm so sad. And people, I'm so glad you've enjoyed it because I've gotten a lot of great feedback about April and this whole thing. And I'm really glad that you've enjoyed this because we have, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, no, most definitely. You're fabulous as always, Grace. Yes. So, you know, we'll do stuff again, and I consider you my pal, and we'll keep in touch, and you will hear from April again on the show, of course. So thank you, everybody. We love Marilyn, and she is the bombshell of bombshells. No one knew you would always have the grace to hold yourself with those around you. Crawled out of the woodwork And they whispered into your brain They said you on the treadmill And they made you change your name it Seems to me you lived your life Like a candle in the wind Never knowing who to cling to When the rain set in would have liked to know you, but I was just a key. Your candle burned out long before you left.
Kick up the leaves and the magic is lost 